Would you like to know what International Tabletop Day is? Hey, wait, are you making an announcement, Will we? Well, as a matter of fact, I am. International Tabletop Day is coming to an internet near you. What? When is it going to be, It's going to be April 5th. 2014. That's a different day from last year. Why would that be, Will Wheaton? Because we wanted to put it on a different day because reasons. So what are you guys gonna do on Tabletop Day? This well, year? we're waiting. Movies. No more room in hell. TV. Four games. It takes a very steady hand. Conventions. Star Trek action figures also sold separately. Comics. My spidey sense is tingling. Collectibles. Sold $325. Books. I'm a best-selling author. RPGs. Where the Cheetos? Video games. Grab and fields. <laughs> Music. <laughs> Anime. I'm the hero. This is the G to V Podcast. Hello and welcome to the G2V Podcast. I'm Scott Woodard coming to you from the gaming mecca of the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon. And joining me as usual is my co-host Arnold T. Blumberg coming to you from the other side of the country in Baltimore, Maryland. Less a gaming mecca, but still, I'm sure, pretty nice. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I still have to get out there and visit sometime. Yes, but, you do. Uh, I do, I do. You've come here, I'll go there. Okay. And uh, But most importantly, on today's G2V... Uh, we are going to make sure the G stands for games, because joining us on the line is Boyan Radakovich, also known as Bo, one of the co-creators of Tabletop and an associate producer as well. And we are going to talk about all things Tabletop and the International Tabletop Day, so welcome, Bo. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. So the first thing I wanted to get out of the way, and you're going to find this probably a little shocking, okay. is that, uh, well, our podcast, you know, we don't exclusively talk about games. So we think that uh, there's probably a good chance that a lot of our audience doesn't actually know what tabletop is. <laughs> Gasp. Horror. So uh, is there any way that maybe you could kind of do an elevator pitch type of presentation, very short, to kind of give people an idea of what, what exactly tabletop is and where they might be able to find it? Sure. So tabletop is a web show hosted by Will Wheaton. And it's essentially celebrity poker meets dinner for five, where um, Will plays board games with his geeky friends and we record it and it's very fun and funny and you can watch it on YouTube for free. You go to Geek and Sundry. Well, you can go you can go to geekandsundry.com and you can see the videos there or you can go to youtube.com slash geekandsundry and Tabletop is right there and it's actually the number one show. So you shouldn't have trouble finding it. It's really well received and the fans love it. It is terrific. I've watched pretty much every one. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, from the very beginning. And uh, yeah, it's a great show. And as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the best ways to introduce people to not not just the, the idea of board gaming and uh, social gaming, but also to just a, a great way of learning about certain games that they might want to add to their collections as well. Yeah. Uh, and you guys do a superb job of educating the audience. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I mean, it's Tabletop's not really about the game. This is one of the secrets is it's really about the guests, about the camaraderie and the joking and the banter. It's a celebration of game night, just like our game night, except, you know, Will's slightly cooler, and he has slightly cooler friends, and the set's slightly cooler than our normal game house. But, you know, it's pretty much the same thing where we hang out, we joke, you know, we have a good time, and, you know, you learn a new game. And it's been great for the community. You know, we really introduced a lot of new fans to tabletop gaming, and I'm really proud of it. 
Yeah, as you, as you should be. And the one thing I, I'm curious about is uh, I, I have I've heard you interviewed on uh, uh, various other podcasts, and one of the things you talked about was for, right from the outset when you guys were first getting this concept off the ground, you contacted a number of gaming publishers, and uh, my my assumption is that you wanted obviously support from them but does it come down to them just providing you with games to to try or is there there's something more to it well i i asked the publishers for permission to use their to use the rights the promotional rights of the game on the show we want to use their images we want to use you know like the art from the game and so on and because it's all copyrighted material i want to make sure that we're okay so it's really more about making sure that the show uh, really represents the game and that the publishers are happy with it. And the more support they give, the better the episode looks, you know? So yeah, it's not a sponsorship thing at all. Um, tabletop is free. It's free to watch. Um, and it's also free to be on the show itself. They're not, they're not sponsored gigs. They're not commercials. And that's actually why the show is really popular because it's genuine, right? Like you can see Will, that's him playing games that he actually loves with his friends, you know, and that recipe, you know, be passionate, be honest and share uh, is the recipe for success on the Internet. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the publishers, I mean, for obvious reasons, uh, certainly would like to have their games represented on the show. And because isn't there what they've now coined the, the Wheaton effect yeah. that's in place? Yeah, it's actually, um, I knew that there was going to be appropriate sales lift on the episodes, uh, basically on the games that are featured on the episodes. Um, originally, I thought, yeah, maybe it'll be like 30% lift, which is ridiculous if you if you know anything about advertising and marketing. But the effect is actually magnitude higher than that. It's a uh, really powerful um, fans uh, gravitate to the episodes. You know, they, they use it to teach their friends how to play the game. And then, you know, in a gaming group of four or five or 12 people, however many you have, someone's likely to pick it up. And so there is a, you know, commensurate sales lift. And yep, you can call it tabletop effect or the Wheaton effect. Um, and it's, it's cool. You know, actually I, um, Last year, I was up at Amazon uh, interviewing for a job, and they had every single thing that I had ever done up on their walls. <laughs> like they had, they had reams of data and all kinds of. It was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, how do I say it? It was uh, interesting to go to a place where they know everything about you and everything that you've done. Um, but a little humbling, I would. I would think it was. It was <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit strange. Uh, I was thinking the word creepy, but I guess. <laughs> This is this is the world we live in, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's the future. I love living in the future, but at the same time, so, sometimes you're like, yeah, that's a lot of information out there. Yeah. Actually, what you just said about the future is one of the things I wanted to ask you, too, because I was thinking just in general about how, as you've said, Tabletop is available for free for mm -hmm. people to see on YouTube. And the very concept of the show, is this something that you think maybe even a few years ago would have been something you guys would have been pitching, say, to a network or a cable channel because the world of media has changed so much now. There's so much, whether it's Netflix or Amazon producing content or content going direct to YouTube, you're part of the whole transformation of so much entertainment and so much media going online where there's no longer that traditional conduit anymore. Would you That's have right. possibly seen this going to like a cable channel years ago and now, you know, you don't have to do that? Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the creative destruction created by the internet, right? It's uh, it forms a new connection to the fans. You don't have to go through traditional distribution. 
And um, you can basically put stuff up on YouTube and get direct support from the fans, and it's it's pretty awesome. But that was actually part of Google's plan, I would say, from the start. I love Google for a lot of things, but I think part of the creative initiative in creating all the channels, like Geek and Sundry, was to disrupt the current system, right? It, mm. was, it was actually designed to disrupt cable, cable networks, um, even Amazon, um, Netflix, Hulu, that sort of thing. Like it was intentionally designed to put out high quality content that would be streamed directly to fans. And so that's very in line with Google's business practice. Um, I'm not going to call it monopoly, but it's clearly part of their strategy. Now, one thing that's um, kind of interesting, going back to what we were talking about in regards to the uh, the tabletop effect, uh, between when I have very, very little time on my hands, because it's either working on book projects, editing for role-playing game companies, or doing this podcast or whatever else, I actually managed to get time into work at Powell's Books. Yeah, Powell's and, is and awesome, man. There you I go, love man. that place. Um, yeah, and I, I work at the uh, Cedar Hills location, which is where we do our tabletop events oh, uh, so for glad. International Tabletop Day. Yeah. Uh, so last year, I was actually uh, one of the, the hosts of the event. Uh, I was uh, sort of emceeing that whole thing, walking around, dropping beats on the mic. And uh, maybe that's a little embellishment. <laughs> but, uh, but of course, Amy Berg was there yeah. and uh, teaching everybody how to play Ticket to Ride. And I, I have to say, from from an insider's perspective, uh, that event was so hugely successful for Powell's. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's been the same for, for everybody who's been involved with it. And uh, so what we've discovered was since then, the sales of games at, at Powell's, for example, have only gone up mm-hmm. and have continued to rise. And feedback from the people who participated was, you know, it was along the lines of, we never knew you had the games here. Yeah. Uh, this event was so beautifully run. Thank you for that. And uh, and also, you know, we, we're huge fans of tabletop. Yeah. And it was thanks to you guys that all that, that came together. So now we have people coming in saying, when's the next one? And, of course, you guys just made that big announcement a couple weeks, a couple weeks ago in L.A. So, um, of course, if people haven't heard, the next one is when? Tabletop Day 2014 is Saturday, April 5th. Cannot wait. Yeah. So, so the thing about um, – okay. So how do I say this? For us, <laughs> we're basically trying to grow the community. Right. We're trying Mm -hmm. to create more gamers. We're trying to spread the love and share our passion for gaming. Right. Like Will and I are exactly on the same page with this. And yes, there are sales increases that happen. And yes, these these kind of metrics can be measured. But that's not the goal. Right. The goal is to create more gamers. And so what happens is that fire is lit. And so for Tabletop Day, what we wanted to do is create a way for fans to find each other. And so. Mm -hmm created tabletopday.com, which is basically a free database that lists all stores and publishers and fan groups all in one place. And it's just a neutral ground for people to celebrate the hobby, you know, and share their love and passion for tabletop gaming. So with Powell's, I was really happy about it because they have such a strong uh, community outreach already. Like it's part of Portland, right? I mean, oh yeah, people... People, I mean, I, I heard about Powell's when I was living in Colorado ages ago, and it was sort of like a mecca for me. Like, and I actually, when I visited, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's so cool. And, and so for games, it's just the same thing, right? There is a community out there. And so once you say, yes, this is a safe place for you to come and you can hang out with the uh, game designers or cool celebrities like Amy Berg, and you can learn games. And it's just like, it, it opens up a whole new community that was um, basically invisible before. 
Yeah, and it's funny too because one thing that I've also noticed outside of uh, retail is uh, is that with uh, you know obviously for many many years there have been gaming conventions and, and other types of gaming events, but they were sort of way off the radar of of your average person. Mm-hmm. And that even those have begun to grow in in attendance. They've actually begun to to blossom uh, up here. You know, there's GameStorm, which I th- I think you've been to GameStorm, haven't you? I've been a guest at GameStorm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I've been doing conventions for a while myself. And it's just been exploding. Like if you walk into the board gaming rooms, which of course I think just wasn't that many years ago where the board gaming room might have been four tables. Now they're massive components of these conventions. And again, I'm sure if you talk to a lot of the people playing in those rooms, they would say, oh, well, I heard about this game on tabletop. Yeah, I love it. Actually, last year I was at Phoenix Comic Con. Maybe it was the year before. Yeah, it was right after tabletop launched, which was in 2012. And Phoenix Comic-Con is like Rose City Comic-Con for you guys in Portland or Emerald City Comic-Con. It's a great regional show. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going down the the elevator, which is, has like a glass encasing, in, in and you can see the gaming areas below. And I used to be the gaming director at Phoenix Comic-Con, and so you know I helped organize this stuff. But when I was coming down the elevator after Tabletop, I noticed that it was like Gloom next to Tsuro, next to Ticket to Ride next to Dixit, with all the stuff that we had aired on Tabletop. And the effect is strong, right? I mean, people love it. They love sharing. And Tabletop does a good job of telling people, you know, like, hey, these are good games. You really should carry them. And if and if you're a comic book convention and you have a gaming room and you carry, like, the 40 games that are on Tabletop, you'll probably do okay. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, and another thing, too, is uh, as a, I've been gaming for many, many years, as I said, and one of the trickier things oftentimes, because especially if you're acquiring massive volumes of games in, in your collection on a weekly basis, is keeping up with the rules and teaching rules correctly and accurately. And even though you say, you know, even though obviously the emphasis uh, on tabletop is on the people playing the games and the social uh, experience, the fact that you do provide really nicely detailed uh, instructions and also a nice overview on how the game is played is also a terrific resource for people who are getting into these games so they can just bring that up and, and refresh themselves on how to play a game. We didn't really have that when I was really getting into, say, for example, when I was getting into Euros in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of thing didn't exist. It was either the poorly translated German rules uh, that you worked your mind around or a friend who might know how to do it better. But it's it's just great how you're, you're offering that as well. Oh, thank you. I... I'll take that as a personal compliment because I actually write the rules section and the intro part that you see will, um, you know, at the beginning of, of every episode, Will says, you know, like Lords of Waterdeep is a worker placement resource management game and it blah, 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 and goes through the mechanics of how you play the game. Um, mm-hmm. That's the section I actually write. So I do that for the show. And then also on set, I make sure that all the guests know how to play and I kind of coach them through you know, what it's like and, you know, some strategy tips and so on. Some people take direction great because they're actors, you know, and others are just there to have a good time. And that's very normal for game night as well. Some people are more competitive than others. And then also I do help um, the editing to make sure that, especially when it comes to rules, clarifications and how to teach the stuff, that it's presented in a simple manner and that we're not overwhelming the uh, the fans with information, right? Like, mm-hmm. Most people, when they teach board games, do a bad job of it. Um, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I'm guilty as charged. Where they basically just 
take out the rule book and start reading everything. It's like, no, no, no. You just, you really only need to know what the theme is, what you need to do to set up and start playing. Everything Mm -hmm. else you can learn in game. And that's the way proper demos should be run. And if you're teaching a new game and you don't know what that looks like, just watch an episode of Tabletop because Will does a great job of it. For the zombies to win the game, they're going to have to stop the humans from doing that before the sun comes. Oh, mother balls, other things that people shouldn't say on TV. I'm looking forward to that part of the gag reel that's just me trying to remember where I'm lost. Are you ready to find out who's going to up an otherwise relatively decent take? Wait no longer, the answer is me. They'll draw cards from their hero. Really, Will? Really? G2B. Two longtime fans of two bionic shows discuss an episode in detail every two weeks. Cyborgs, a bionic podcast. Find us at chronicrift.com slash cyborgs or subscribe on iTunes. I have to throw in here because of the three of you, I'm, I'm the least experienced in terms of actually doing a lot with games as opposed to some other things that that i enjoy whether it's some of the other things we talked about but having friends that have thrown many game days where we've all gotten together one of the things that unfortunately hasn't always worked well is starting a day off with just a marathon reading of rules oh yeah that just never (laughs) it and and even if i'm interested and get engaged and think oh this looks like a really fun game hearing all that and and it's what I consider being sort of a novice. My reaction always used to be, why don't we just get the basic gist of it and then jump in mm-hmm. and actually watch the game evolve? Yeah. We'll get it as we play it. And it's so nice to hear that that's really the right way to go. It because... is the right way to go. Um, so if you think about it, it, let's say you have four people playing Ticket to Ride, for example. It's not that four people read the rules individually and then they sit down and play the game. It's usually one person reads the rules and then tries to convey it. So in this example, the majority of the players don't know the rules. They literally learn through playing the game, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that's normal. It's actually the, that's the norm, right? So if you, if you take it that way and you start teaching that way, it's, it's very easy. You're like, look, here's the theme. This is what we're doing. It's awesome. You're going to have a good time and takes about 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes or 90 minutes or however long the game takes. And um, it, it's cool for these reasons. And let's get going. And then that's it. You know, like you're already playing the game. Should not take more than two minutes, five minutes to explain to get started. Now, some games aren't like that, right? Some games are very deep strategy games and they require a lot of explanation and setup. That's fine. But do not take those games to a casual event where you're going to be playing with people who, you know, maybe aren't, aren't familiar with like a four hour strategy game, mm-hmm. right? Like you do, don't start breaking out Twilight Imperium or Eclipse or, or a Labora or whatever. in just like thinking you're going to read the rules and set it up and go like that's, you know, you're asking for <laughs> trouble there. You mean we're never going to see advanced squad leader on tabletop? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great games, right? But Tabletop's, its mission is to be 
like the ambassador, right? It's supposed to be introductory. It is intentionally designed to welcome new players, people who have absolutely no idea about gaming. Maybe they're like geek adjacent, you know, their friends play games or they've seen games at conventions that they go to, you know, like maybe they're Doctor Who fans. And the only thing, the only experience they have is maybe they want to, you know, hang out with their friends or, oh, there's a Doctor Who game. I'll, you know, I'll, be, I'll play in that, right? But some guys, I think they take it too personally, you know, like this, these like evangelists, like where they, they need to teach everything and they're so worried about the points and the rules and all this kind of stuff. It's like, that's not the point, man. Yeah, like, I've, met, I've met a few of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a few of them in my, my game groups over yeah. the years, <laughs> yeah. sadly. And that's okay, you know, I mean, there's, there, is a, there is a position for them, but they're certainly not the host, right? They're not the person that greets you at the door that says, welcome to our event, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're here, you know, why don't you have some coffee or sit down, like, where are you from? You know, kind of like the host, like a concierge type person, right? That person needs to be friendly and welcoming and inviting and needs to present the hobby as normal. Like you don't just show up out of the blue and suddenly you're into like hardcore gaming, whatever that is. But it's only a couple steps to get there, right? Like in in tabletop board games, I went from, I think I, I mean, I've been playing for a long time, but like of the modern games, right? I went from Settlers of Catan to Puerto Rico, which is a pretty deep strategy game. And then Mm -hmm. from Puerto Rico, I was deep. So it was like two steps for me, right? And like I was playing all kinds of games. Like we used to play games in German. We wouldn't even wait for the translations, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and stuff like that. So, um, and same thing with role-playing games. You know, I started when I was, uh, I started when I was a kid playing Dungeons and Dragons and it was a great experience. And then from that, the next step, I think I, went into palladiums, you know, like kind of riffs and that kind of stuff. And then from mm-hmm. there, hero system, which is like pretty much as crunchy as you can get, <laughs> right? So Yeah, massive tomes. Yeah. So like two steps is all it takes to go like really deep, right? So don't forget where you come from. We all started playing games that weren't hardcore. Like we all, you know, started with the introductory games. So remember remember where you come from and always be welcoming and inviting to new fans and then remember it's only like one or two steps away from them playing hardcore games and that's that's awesome like you want someone to play like pathfinder adventure card game with you that's awesome right so super super great game that my friend mike Seliger made Mm -hmm. very popular now um and but if you open it up you're like oh my god there's like 700 cards in here and there's like what is (laughs) happening this is so if you break it out you're going to intimidate a new player right however if you scale it back a bit and maybe they start with something a little bit easier to manage, like Ascension or mm, Race for the Galaxy is probably a little bit too hard, but something like that where it's like, here's here's a game that's really good for you. And then from there, from that half step, then go to the next level. Right. And you'll know. You'll know if someone's a gamer or not and or what kind of stuff they like and just be respectful not everyone's going to be as passionate about something as you are, but it's okay. It's okay for them to like whatever they like. 
Well, it's funny. I'm I'm completely in sync with you and and, and the tabletop crew in that regard. Uh, even I started with hardcore gaming in the sort of the mid '90s when I first started playing, you know, Settlers of Catan. And uh, anytime I hosted events or taught games, I w- would always stress that first and foremost, it was the social thing. It was us getting around a table and having a great time together and having a lot of laughs. Second would be this game with really cool components that we're pushing around on the board or, or you know, just having a good time with that. And then third would be the strategy and, and, and trying to win. And sometimes I would actually have uh, run into issues with, with some of the people that would play because they would sort of twist those three things around. And for me, even with my role-playing games, because I still actually run games and stuff, I'll always stress that first and foremost, we're getting together and have a great time together mm-hmm. and, and, you know, ha- have a few beers or have, you know, whatever the case is and just sit and have fun. And at the end of the day, I just want everybody to have a good time and walk away from the house and say, I want to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. Like for role-playing games, I believe the, the order of importance is the gaming group, the players. Second is the storyteller or game master. And then third is the setting. It's not even the game itself. Mm-hmm. And then the mechanics. It, like people spend too much time about like character creation and all this stuff. And like, oh my God, this guy. And like when I make my D&D characters, I have spreadsheets, right? Where it's like, okay, <laughs> like this guy's got an armor class of, of 23. I need to break out my falchion. So that way my expected damage over the turn, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm one of those guys, but I'm also at the same time like a super casual player and I can dial it back. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for people who are used to playing like really crunchy games to just kind of let go, you know, and find a good group, find a, like a cool place to hang, like to hang out like a club or like a game store or like with Powell's like a really, I mean, I consider Powell's like a community center. It's not even like a store. It's just a place where like geeks hang out and, you know, it's like Mecca. Um, so, and, um, you know, find some like-minded people. And it might be that you just haven't found the right group, you know, and it's okay. Look around, go to tabletopday.com, find an event, find some friends, you know, go on to Reddit, go on to BoardGameGeek, go on to Facebook and just post about it. It's totally normal now, guys, to just play games, <laughs> right? Like, if I post that I'm playing tabletop games, people are like, oh, what is that? I want to I want to play too. Um, in that voice. Exactly in that voice. <laughs> um, no, it's because we've broken through. I mean, we honestly have. Like, you see tabletop games on shows like Tabletop, but also Big Bang Theory, right? It's a really, it's a really big force out there in showing geek culture. And, like, they play tabletop games all the time there. Sheldon's a game designer, even. He's got his own board game, you know? And it's... It's cool. I want to build a road, but I need wood. (laughs) Do either of you fellas have wood? (laughs) I don't understand the laughter. (laughs) The object of Settlers of Catan is to build roads and settlements. To do so requires wood. Now, I have sheep. I need wood. Who has wood for my sheep? <laughs> Tabletop games are now much more accessible. You know, they're in mass market like Target and Barnes and & Noble and, of course, mm-hmm. on Amazon. And it's, I think, honestly never been better to be a tabletop gamer. And there are 
new new places, new ways of getting new games like Kickstarter and other like crowdsourced funding where people can just go directly and make new stuff. And it's it's amazing, man. It's like it's such a good time to be a gamer. I really encourage people to go out and play with their friends, play with their children, play in public. You know, that's part of what Tabletop Day is actually about is to demystify it and to make it normal, make it seem perfectly normal to go into a Starbucks and play Bananagrams. You know, people are like, oh, I like Scrabble. Great. You're going to love Bananagrams. And it's like, oh, I want to play Monopoly. Okay, cool. Let's play Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's all, all these games that people remember from childhood, but th- there are leveled up versions of them now that are just so much better. And the access to them is very easy. You can get them pretty much anywhere. Like I was saying before, you can go to almost any store and, and get really good games. It's not like it's not like the old days where you had to like pick and choose. And like sometimes they were cool and sometimes they were weird. But, you know, it's like pretty much nowadays you, you can't miss. They're, they're all so good. Yeah, I remember those old days, I guess we could call them the wilderness years, when you would follow the news from Essen and uh, order these German games, and you had no idea if they were going to be worth the time or the money. But now here they are, and they're reviewed, and they're, they're I guess, vetted, and on the shelves of your local store, and it's so much more convenient and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you guys are talking about Essen, so they have Spiel Jahres, mm-hmm. which is German Game of the Year, um, and that, that the committee there... Uh, basically nominates games and they they tell people these are like some really good games that came out this year and they award a winner which i I think is kind of arbitrary but whatever they award a winner and and then people kind of have an idea of what they should be playing Uh, spiliaris takes this sort of tastemaker role tabletop does the same thing in america we we basically go through and it's not a coincidence that Many of the games that won Spiliaris are actually on tabletop. They, they're just very good games. Alhambra, Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan, and so on. You know, like these guys, you should have them in your library, anyways. Um, and they're just good. Yeah, they're they're classics. Um, one of the other things I was going to comment on too, when you were sort of talking about the that this is sort of the Renaissance. This is such a great time for gaming. I couldn't agree more. And uh, what I was going to mention was that it was two thousand and one. Uh, and again, going back to that sort of wilderness years time, uh, 2001, we actually, it was me and two other guys, we founded SoCal Games Day, and I'm sure you've probably heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, I was one of those three guys. Our first one was at a Petco community room in Santa Clarita. And uh, now, they, yeah, they just had their 57th which is kind of shocking. I dumped out of it when it was in the 20s or 30s, and they just had their 57th event, and it's just astounding how that thing alone has grown. And what it was was an extension of, I mean, it's basically what you guys have done. You, it started in, in the homes, and everybody said, hey, we should do something where we can bring it into a public uh, you know, in, a venue mm-hmm. and get more people involved. And, uh, and I think anybody can do that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be International Tabletop Day. It can be founded by, you know, the local community. And and you guys are certainly inspiring that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so Tabletop Day is supposed to be the start. It's supposed to be the spark, right? It's it's that temple event that we all gather around. It's the ornament on top of the Christmas tree, right? But it's it's not the Christmas tree itself. Like that's us. That's the community. So if you are inspired by tabletop and you want to like start a game day or a game night or whatever it is, or a gaming club, do it and then get together with your friends, post it. And then here's the secret. 
have regular meetings. It doesn't matter what it is, but just say this time, this place, in this in this、uh, period, like how often you're going to play. And once you do that, you'll be surprised how many people would just start showing up. Like when I moved to LA last year, there's a steampunk clothing store here in Burbank called Clockwork Couture,、mm-hmm. and They're wonderful guys, and they don't have any gaming at all. But I showed up, and I I love this store, and they're really cool. And so we're hanging out, and I was like, let's just do a game night Monday nights, you know. And at first, people were like, why are you doing a game night at a at a clothes store? You know, that doesn't make any sense at all. And then now、uh, it's a regular thing. We basically Monday nights people show up, and you get like dozen, two dozen people there just hanging out playing games, you know. And then they have. Game days that are like weekend events, they're like little mini conventions, and they get like a hundred people or so. And it literally just started with me saying, "Okay, Monday nights we're going to meet here and play games," and that's all it takes, right? So、mm-hmm. for your group, maybe it's the first Saturday or whatever it is, and we're going to meet at this coffee shop, and we're just going to start doing it. And once people have that on their schedule, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's the first Friday. I should go hang out and do a thing." And it makes it a lot easier to organize and plan, and humans love that. You know, we love having order to chaos, and you know, games provide that, and game days provide that as well. Checking out game board. Shut the fridge. It's game board. Fucking game board. <laughs> Say what? Hi, I'm Keith Ari DeCandido, international best-selling and award-winning author of over 40 novels, as well as comic books, short stories, novellas, and more. I'm also an editor, currently hiring out through Creditorial, a musician, currently percussionist for the Boogie Nights, and a whole lot more. Hear me talk about my writing and my life, and also do readings for my work on my twice-monthly podcast, Dead Kitchen Radio, part of the Chronic Rift Network. For more information, go to chronicrift.com. Or to deadkitchenradio.mevio.com. I have a feeling if I hadn't moved up to、uh, Portland at the end of 2010, we'd be gaming together because I lived in Burbank for 13 years as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> but you know what's, what's really funny is like when before we got on on the line here, you're like, oh, I was hanging out with my friends, and like all the people that you hang out with <laughs> are my friends. So yeah. So chances are, if、uh, if you didn't move to Portland, we'd still be gaming because, like, I would be in Portland and we'd be getting together. Also, so <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, the community's—it's、um, a small world, right? And and gaming brings us together. And so I'm I'm never surprised when people say, "Oh, but you know, we were both two degrees of separation from that same person, you know, or one degree."、Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, of course, because we're you know we have similar interests. We're geeks, and we like we have passions that we want to share. And yes, I am a tabletop geek, right? But I can tell you that if you are like a sci-fi geek or a comics geek or anime or whatever it is, video game geeks, that we are much more similar than we are dissimilar. I really do not believe this like marketing statement that like, look, I am a tabletop guy. This is what I do. I don't care about these other things because I bet you we watch the same movies and the same、mm-hmm. TV shows and we well, laugh. That's absolutely true. Yeah, you meet people that have even one or two things in common. Particularly when it comes to things like genre entertainment or gaming, you very quickly find out that there's probably a list of a hundred things you have in common. 
Yeah. It's just exactly. the way it is. Yeah, it's very similar people no matter where you're from. It, it even crosses it crosses gender, crosses age, crosses everything. Yeah. And, I, and I, you, I remember visiting Japan and I could I could still tell who the gamers were, you know, and like who the geeks were because like I you know, I called it like the otaku gene, like you can kind of like see it or something like there's like oh i know we're gonna be friends you know because Mm -hmm. there's something about it it's kind of hard to explain but so maybe you know maybe you're not into tabletop and that's okay but i bet you you know we can have a conversation about lord of the rings or or whatever or the new star wars (laughs) movies or you know like all kinds of stuff that's like common ground to us absolutely and I mean, in a way, that's sort of a slight promo of our show, because that's what we're trying to do with our podcast is uh, appeal to all the different aspects of, of fandom and, and, and gamers and whatever it may be and trying to find our way into all their, everybody's lives and show that there's a sort of a, a combined similarity right there. And it's it's working well. Well, it's yeah. like you were like you were saying, Bo, also just the one word that comes up frequently when I talk about things, too, is the things you're passionate about. A lot of these things are driven by that. It's a very strong emotional connection. It's passion. And part of that, which also seems to be where a lot of your inspiration has come from for things like Tabletop Day, is it's not just passion about engaging with it. It's about sharing it with other people. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Um, Will Will's famous for saying that. it's um, Geeks are not defined by what they love but how they love it, right? It's that passion. It's that deep fire inside them where not only do I obsess about Name of the Wind and like, or Hunger Games, and I, I know like I have the maps like in my mind and all that kind of stuff, but that <laughs> I want to share it with you. You know, it's not mm-hmm. that I love Doctor Who, but that I'm cosplaying as it. Like, look how awesome this is. Look how I spent all this time making these costumes, you know? And it's not just... I love board games, but I want you to love board games also. And I think it's wonderful. And so, again, I would just urge people to be more inclusive. Like, I know sometimes it feels like you're just hanging out with the same friends and the same sort of patterns, and you might feel like, oh, someone else doesn't belong. But that's that's just the old, right? Like, you should always let someone else come into your group. There's always room at the game table. You know, you just either... Split, make the table bigger, you play bigger games, or you break up into smaller groups and you continue playing and you're now part of a club, right? Like, I really don't like the idea of being, like, exclusionary or saying, like, you don't belong in here because you're a certain whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that criteria, like, you don't get to be the gatekeeper. Like, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> right? John Scalzi says that all the time. It's like, you are not, you're not allowed to tell people no. You can't be part of my community because he's trying to make fans. He's trying to make fans of his work and get people into science fiction. So don't tell people no. Just like I'm saying, it's okay. You can be into gaming. You know, come on in. And I don't need someone telling some kid in New Zealand, no, you can't play tabletop games. We don't do that here. Yeah, of course you can. Why not? You know, why not celebrate? Well, dis- you know, of course, Will distilled that down into that wonderful phrase of don't be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But people don't un- really understand what that means. It's such a broad, broad statement. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make it very specific. So if you're passionate about something, <laughs> welcome them to the table. Don't overwhelm them. Remember that you started just like that. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was last year. You know, maybe it was 20 years ago. It doesn't really matter. But we all started 
from the same place. And again, you level up super quickly and it's, it's okay. They'll be hanging out playing Eclipse and Pathfinder and whatever with you. Just give them a couple moments, you know. And I think what's really great on tabletop uh, is that is a simple fact that when you've got these people sitting down who are, you know, celebrities, comedians, actors, whatever, that goes away. Uh, all you're watching is gamers and people having a great time. Mm -hmm. And it's really a nice leveler in that regard. I think I think that works so well. And I don't sit there and, and just drool over a certain actor and wow, it's so great they have them. It's honestly, I'm watching the gameplay and I'm watching these people have fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's working then, right? <laughs> it apparently is working, yeah. <laughs> What's actually uh, in the future then uh, for Tabletop? I mean, obviously not just the day coming up, but what what's coming down the line for the show itself? Well, so it's actually a, a tricky position. It's not something that your fans are going to like to hear, but Tabletop Season 2 is coming to an end very soon, and... Currently, there is no season three planned. Like, oh my, we have plans. Like, I'm supposed to go into pre production next week and start making this stuff, but the funding isn't secured and we don't have it lined up yet. And we were in a very similar position last year for season two, and we were put in a bad position by YouTube, and we essentially had to go into production without, without their backing and funding. And it put us in a very bad place. Um, wow. But we still did it because we knew that the fans wouldn't accept us saying, you know, sorry, no mm. tabletop. But we're kind of back in that same position again. Um, so right now we're trying to acquire some funding. So that way we can do a season three. Will and I are really, really optimistic and super enthused to do it. It's not about us not wanting to do it. It's just can we get the resources to make it happen? And we both have bigger ideas as to what we can do with it, um, how to expand, not just the brand, but like the community, to do a tabletop RPG show separate from tabletop, to do more events like Tabletop Day, to strengthen the community and bring us all together. You know, So all these things, they take passion, but they also take resources like cash and time mm -hmm. and, and expertise and, you know, th these kind of things. So hopefully um, <laughs> when when you're listening to this podcast, we, had, we will have already been funded and you can watch season three happen. I am optimistic, but it is not certain. So... So that's that's the downer for the for season three. But if you do like it, go on to YouTube and show them that you really love the show. And you do that by providing those metrics by subscribing, which mm -hmm. is free, by sharing it, by linking and embedding the videos in social media um, on your website. You can email people. All those kind of things. Those metrics are seen. The views obviously will help. And so as long as people know that it's still loved, we'll go and find funding for it. But we, we definitely need your support for that. Well, and if you need an award-winning uh, TV promo writer producer with years of experience who also happens to be a gamer, I will fly down and help, <laughs> help and work for cheap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, if we can get season three going, you're, you're welcome on my team, man. Okay, right. Sounds good. Well, great. I think uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, we it was a great show, and I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm going to do the plug one more time. Go to tabletopday.com, find an event near you, sign up. The website's 
very it's uh it's been updated it's much more robust and it's got very many more features there's a blog you guys actually if you want to uh, write a blog about um, the event like tabletop day last year go on there all users can create events and blogs and i happen to know the administrator me so <laughs> um i'll approve i'll approve your events and blogs so so do that and remember april 5th Saturday, April 5th, Worldwide International Tabletop Day. And as for everybody who's probably, well, obviously at this point will be listening to this show, we'll have uh, a link directly up from our website as well with the banner for Tabletop Day that will take you right to that site and everything he just described. So you'll be able to hop right online and uh, see what's going on over there. I love it. Thank you. Oh, and before we go, one of my coworkers at Powell's wanted me to ask you one more question. Yes, she wants to know if Will Wheaton smells nice. He smells lovely. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> Thanks, Bo, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Sure thing. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Play more games, guys. That's right. I'm Mr. Bucket. I'm Mr. Bucket. Toss your balls in my top. I'm Mr. Bucket. Out of my mouth, I will pop. I'm Mr. Bucket. Walk in the room. I'm Mr. Bucket. The game's Mr. Bucket. The first to get their balls into Mr. Bucket wins, but look out, because the balls will pop out of his mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. The balls pop out of my mouth. I'm Mr. Bucket. A ball is what I'm about. I'm Mr. Bucket. We're all going to run. I'm Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket from Milton Bradley. Hey everyone, this is Scott flying solo for a little G2V bonus feature. So for 2014, one of the many new and exciting things we have planned for G2V are reviews. Reviews of movies, books, games, comics, toys, or whatever else you guys send our way. Hint, hint. You'll be able to enjoy these reviews in episodes of the podcast, in text form on our website at g2vpodcast.com, and even as YouTube videos, but uh, more on that later. For our first review, we're slipping on our mirror shades and hitting the mean streets of a dystopian future. A couple weeks ago, we were contacted by a very talented musician from Florida who goes by the name of Strangelet, a.k.a. Kimberly Webb, who has just launched a new Kickstarter project that should be of some interest to a fair number of you. Strangelet is currently seeking funding to complete a cyberpunk-themed soundtrack or soundboard for your game table. Whether you use it alongside your tabletop role-playing games like Cyberpunk 2020 or Shadowrun or Daring Tales of the Sprawl, a line I edited for Triple Ace Games and must therefore shamelessly plug, or you let it run as you enjoy an exciting game of Android Netrunner or even Warhammer 40k. This album, consisting of atmospheric tracks, dynamic songs, and even sound effects, is sure to augment your gaming experience. From the start of this particular segment, you've actually been hearing one of the collection's background tracks, called Neo Tokyo. There will also be songs, many of which have a great 80s vibe to them, like Tangerine Dream or Synergy, and uh, this one's called Street Beat.
check out this track. It's called Miami 2024. To quote the Kickstarter page, Cyberpunk Soundtracks is a collection of retro-futuristic tabletop gaming soundscapes, sound effects, and songs to set the mood and inspire creative gaming sessions for cyberpunk and science fiction-themed games. A $30 pledge level will get you three hours of downloadable content, a total of 30 tracks. A $50 pledge will get you 100 tracks, that's seven hours worth of material. And there are even a couple higher pledge levels where Strange Light will actually work with you to compose custom tracks. From what we've heard so far, this is going to be a terrific assortment of cyberpunky goodness. And if you like what you hear, pop on over to the Cyberpunk Soundtracks Kickstarter page for more information and a few sample tracks. You'll find the link in the show notes. Good luck, Strange Let, and thanks for letting us know about your Kickstarter project. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the G2V Podcast. We want to thank Boyan Radakovich from Tabletop for joining us for an awesome chat. As usual, we welcome your feedback via contact at g2vpodcast.com. Hop into our always active Twitter feed at G2V Podcast. And be sure to join our Facebook page. If you listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to rate or review us. This episode's show music was by Brian Boyko and Strangelet. I'm going to facepalm my facepalm. Somebody give me a hand. I'm going to facepalm my facepalm my facepalm.